a survivor is born. This is the Geek Confidential Podcast. Melody Akles, welcome back. Hey, hey. Mo Walker will be joining us later on the show. We're not exactly sure how much later, but he says he's going to be here. So we'll, in the meantime, we will discuss a few other things. The Tomb Raider trailer is out. This is the film that stars uh, Alicia Vikander as Laura Croft. There's been some controversy. Dan, what do you think about the trailer now that we've finally got to see the first footage? I'm pretty excited for it. Um, I really enjoyed the last game, and I remember playing a bunch of them when I was a kid and stuff. And I actually enjoyed Angelina Jolie in the role of Lara Croft, um, even though the second movie isn't. It does not hold up. The first one's kind of meh, kind of passable. But yeah, no, I I'm excited. I'll probably check it out. Um, it, there's a lot of good adventure elements that you kind of look for in like things like Indiana Jones, but it's kind of got a new spin on it. Plus I don't trust the people who are putting out Indiana Jones movies because well, oh, the last gosh. one wasn't so great. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so we'll see. And I'm, I'm really hopeful. Mel, did you play the game back in the day? Yes, I did. Back in the day, I played a couple of times. I'm not a super big gamer, so if I played it, then it had to be a big deal. Um, I do remember the movies from back in the day, too, Angelina Jolie. I like them. I mean, they were cool for what they were, a video game to movie kind of deal, so that was cool. Um, I watched the trailer. I thought it was okay, maybe because, you know, she has on pants. She didn't have a braided ponytail. I don't know. I guess I'm very visual. And I'm like, this is not the same. But it's not supposed to be the same. So maybe I'll give it a shot. I think it's going to be one of those where I wait till people watch it. And then if they say it's good, I'll probably check it out. Well, like you guys, I watched the original Angelina Jolie films. I played the game a little bit, but I didn't. I'm not. I enjoy gaming, but I don't have much time for it. That's just been my life. I there's no point in me ever buying a console because it is just an expensive piece of equipment that sits there and doesn't get used. Um, but I did play, I believe, the PC version and. It was fun, but I never got into it. But I enjoyed Angelina jo- Jolie in the role. Like Dan said, the second one doesn't hold up. If I'm not mistaken, the first one was like the most profitable video game up to that point. Um, and in terms of an adaptation up to that point, it was probably one of the better video game adaptations that we had had in film. Since then, we've obviously had better. But I'm intrigued by this film. I think it's going to be one of those films where I'll go out to watch it opening weekend just so that I can be in on the discussion because I have enough residual appreciation for the franchise that exists to get to give it a shot. So for me, that's what I'm going to do. There was another trailer that, that came out recently, The Punisher, the new Netflix series, which is going to star John uh, Bernthal as Frank Castle. He already played the role in season two of Daredevil. Now we're getting to see what his first look at his own solo series is going to be like Mel. Mm -hmm. It looks intense. 
It does. It looks intense. But, you know, this is a Punisher, so it's always been a really kind of dark series. So I was expecting that from this. But I watched the trailer and I really like it a lot. I like the soundtrack because, hey, it's Metallica. Um, and I thought the visuals were really good. It looks like it's shot really well. So I'm excited to see how it goes from here. Damn. And the actor used to be on The Walking Dead. So, and he was really good on that show. So, he yeah. was, he was. He's a fantastic actor. The but the character um, of Frank Castle is just one that I'm not as necessarily attracted to. In that, in the se- second season of Daredevil, there was problems with Daredevil in that it seemed very compartmentalized. And the Punisher introducing the Punisher, I understand completely why they did it. But that part of the arc for me felt like its own little bubble for most of the series or the most of the season. And it didn't wrap up in a satisfactory way. I would have preferred that we had more time with the Kingpin as opposed to spending as much time as we did on the Punisher. But I get that they had to introduce them. Dan, when I was looking at this, the other thing that I sort of bench the Punisher on is the old Thomas Jane movie because I actually really enjoyed that. That that was a film that I went into not really knowing a lot about the Punisher other than what I might have seen in cartoons and limited exposure in, in a comic book store. And so I actually have a soft spot for it because I found that the humor that was incorporated in the violence and gore in that film was something that I enjoyed. So I actually will watch Thomas Jane's The Punisher from time to time just for enjoyment purposes. Are you looking forward to this series? And did you like the Thomas Jane movie? I've never actually seen the Thomas Jane movie. My previous experience of Punisher had more to do with his appearances on Spider-Man, the animated series back in the 90s. I, I liked his stuff in there. But at the same time, it suffered from the same thing that any hero that they put into uh, that show. They couldn't include violence. The guns had to all be lasers. So for whatever reason, the cops were just running around with lasers because you couldn't have actual guns. Um, I, I enjoyed the quips between um, between the Punisher and his partner who uh, is in the van. I can't remember his name to save my life. Uh, but I did enjoy aspects of the Punisher's arc in uh, Daredevil Season 2. I I agree with you that uh, the storyline was definitely compartmentalized. And I don't think I care enough about Karen as a character yes. to to really get invested in the people that she's getting invested in. Maybe that's just me and maybe that's wrong, but I like they haven't exactly made her the most sympathetic character. So it's really hard for me to get invested in Frank from her perspective. And that's exactly what they're trying to do as like just a a method of storytelling. Um, I loved like if there's one scene that I would encourage you to check out, Mel, uh, that kind of encapsulates uh, the Punisher in Daredevil the kingpin locks him in a prison and all of the prisoners are ex-cons on the kingpin's payroll and it's just an army of just criminals and the punisher kills them one by one Mm. he is locked in a prison just full of dead bodies by the end of it because he's killed everybody except for the kingpin except for the kingpin it's one it's so well shot and well edited it's brilliant and the emotion that uh john berthal has on his face during the whole situation is just 
I it makes me so excited for this upcoming series because he's so cutthroat and he's so like black and white and he just it, it's it's really interesting to see in a world where everyone's playing in this gray area seeing someone who is the exact opposite. I don't know. I'm really excited for it. The trailer was fantastic. I thought the Metallica aspects of it were on point and make me really excited for it. So yeah, bring it on. I know that Mel is our resident rocker. So I was like, I wonder if she's going to get in a mosh pit over this. That's a stereotype, Luke. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> no, okay. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, no, I I love the soundtrack already. It starts with Metallica. I'm all the way in. So, um, I mean, I'm known to mosh every once in a while. It just depends on how I feel. Well, now joining us, better late than never, Mo. Welcome, Mo. Thank you, everybody. Glad to be here. I've been looking forward to catching up with you. Last time you weren't able to make the podcast, this time you are. One of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you was because about Dark, Dark Matter, the Winona Earp season finale, and Killjoys. What are you? Th- what did you think of those three series um, season finales? And one of them, Dark Matter, that ended up being a series finale. With regard to Killjoys, I thought it was a good wrap up to this season. I'm curious to see where things go with Anila going forward. I'm gl- kind of glad that they didn't kill her. Um, I think the actress who plays Dutch and Anila, she does a phenomenal job of bringing both characters to life. And I'm, I'm really excited at the fact that we're going to get two more years of, or two more seasons of Killjoys because it has been renewed for, uh, two final seasons of 10 episodes apiece. Moving on to Winona. Sadly, I'm actually still a little behind on Winona, so I have not seen the series uh, finale of Winona. Uh, the but season finale? Or see, sorry, excuse me, season finale. Well, you know what I'm thinking about. Uh, yes. Y- yes, you, you, know, you know, pull one out for my dark matter. I, I was gutted when they announced that that show was canceled, and I was really, really hoping that the co-creator Joseph Malozzi Mal- uh, Malozzi would be able to pull a rabbit out of his hat and get that get Dark Matter um, aired on a streaming service. But sadly, according to a post on his blog, uh, Joseph uh, Malzoli mentioned that. Uh, that the show has been canceled and that he could not get it picked up on another streaming service, but he is hoping to maybe take it back to uh, a comic book uh, publisher because it was original dark matter was originally published as a comic book from dark horse comics. But I honestly, with the dark matter season finale, I was, it was just pure setup. I enjoyed it just for the visuals, just for the characters, but it felt like a setup for the next season, which we're not going to get. So I'm kind of really mixed on the season finale slash series finale of Dark Matter. Would you like to see Sci-Fi do like a two-hour movie special for it? Yeah, I would love a wrap-up movie. Um, Maybe that's another avenue maybe that they could pursue is getting some sort of wrap-up movie. There have been other shows that have done it before uh, on sci-fi it's just the fans were just really left on a cliffhanger and i think we the fans need some sort of resolution i think sci-fi owes that to us okay 
Dan, you are my go-to for pretty much everything Berlanti-verse. It was announced that Crisis on Earth X is going to be the major crossover for this fall between Arrow, Legends of Tomorrow, The Flash, and which Supergirl. I was going to say, who am I missing? Um, what do you think of that um, development? I cannot wait. I'm super excited. Everything about it just sounds fantastic. I, you know, I was a little skeptical because it... Uh, a good chunk of this is having to do with Barry and Iris's wedding. But then when they started talking about like the, uh, the actual battles and uh, the, the conflict that's bringing them all together, I was, I was all there for it. I was incredibly excited and incredibly hopeful that this, this crossover ends up turning out really well and does the character of the Ray justice. I don't know a ton about the character, but from everything I've read, I'm really excited to learn more. And that character is going to be portrayed by Russell Tovey, who was on looking and being the British version of being human also on Quantico. Mo, you're the resident comic book geek among us. What are you looking for in this adaptation? Well, I'm, Really curious to see how the different Arrowverse actors portray their sort of evil slash Nazi counterparts from Earth X, uh, because traditionally that in that world the super the superhero like Arrow, Flash, Supergirl, etc. Are, are villains. If you've seen like a trailer for the Ray cartoon, they are going to they are very villainous, very evil. It will just be interesting just to see from an acting standpoint to kind of see how they pull it off. I like the character of the Ray. I was a f the iteration they're using, they're using actually the more recent uh, sort of contemporary version of the Ray that was introduced in DC Comics a couple years ago. Uh, and he's more or less the version of the Ray that DC introduced 20 years ago with, uh, with a couple little uh, personality changes. Um, the character is going to be um, homosexual this go around that's my understanding I, the, the ray has traditionally been a very powerful character on the on the same level as firestorm so it will be from from a special effects standpoint it'll be interesting to see how they carry they pull that off on a tv budget mel last year's crossover the invasion crossover was one of my favorite things of in 2016 of that season what are you looking forward to most with this um with the new crossover or like the new season i'm open to it because like you said the invasion was a really good storyline so i definitely want to see if they can kind of you know recreate that and boost it and make it a little bit better um i think there's a lot of factors into it that are good so i'm about it Dan, there were some fo there were some individuals missing from the mock comic book cover that uh, when we were looking at it, my first thought was, is that Snart right by Barry's shoulder? Because wouldn't it be great if Snart was at the wedding? Um, and, but there are some other characters who are missing. What yes. what is your concern about this? I know before the podcast we were talking, and I'm like, it annoys me that the Martian Manhunter doesn't seem to be able to cross over from Supergirl. Yeah, Martian Manhunter being absent, Guardian being absent. Well, uh, that's not a big loss. I like. I feel like Guardian would fit in well with uh, Team Arrow. Uh, just he 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 would, but he also, at least in my opinion, is redundant because so many of those characters are very similar to what he already does. That's fair, and. Like, from an angle perspective, 
I think the reason John Diggle is absent is because David Ramsey stated that John Diggle is officiating two weddings this or this year, which means Barry and Iris is wedding number one. Who knows what wedding number two is slash I'm going to barf. Like I as just... long as it's not Oliver and Laurel, I don't care. Okay. Oliver and Felicity just like got back together in terms of like, hey, they kissed once. Now all of the sudden, if there's like another wedding within the course of a year, uh, during a season in which him as the mayor has to be like, oh, by the way, citizens of Star City, I actually have a son. And having to deal with all of that fallout, plus all of, like, who knows who died at Lian Yu? It, like, there could be, like, two to three people that are suddenly just gone. That's a lot to be throwing. I, I don't know. I just, I feel like that would speed up their relationship way too quickly, and I would not be supportive of that wedding. Because that's just, that's too much. That's too much too soon. I know that you're an Elicity hater, but in the oh, in the God. realm in the realm of superhero comic TV show weddings, it makes more sense to me that in what season where are we at? Season six with Arrow, that Felicity and Oliver would be getting married as opposed to maybe Iris and Barry in season what are we three or four? Four. I think this is four. 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 Um, so to me, it seems like it it's more rational to have Oliver and Felicity as opposed to Barry and Iris. Now, granted, the flip side of that is that we've actually seen Barry and Iris's relationship more consistently in the seasons than we have Felicity and Oliver's. I'm just Mo, saying. where do you come in? Where do you come in on this? Well, I think part of it depends on how much of a time jump there is, because I've got a feeling that there is going to be some element of a time jump between on the flash. Obviously there's a time jump because of, we know Barry has been locked up in the speed force for X amount of time. Usually it's a summer, but this, Hey, maybe this time, it could be a year. We don't know when Arrow is going to pick up. How far into the future is it going to be right after Leanne Yu dies? I mean, dies, blows up, and we do a flashback or what? So I'm I'm going into this with an open mind in terms of what could be the second wedding. And and if they were to have an Elicity wedding, like with in the first 10 episodes of this season of Arrow, I would have an issue with it. But if we're talking the back half of the season, if we're talking, you know... Season finale. Season finale. Because um, remember, we usually get 23 episodes of this. I could deal with... There's plenty of time within the, in that, within the span of 23 episodes to build that relationship back up and get them to a, uh, get them, um, to a point where they can marry. I can actually answer a part of that one, Mo. The crossover is slated for toward the end of November, so if this is starting October 10th, that that's going to be like within like six, seven episodes. We know that the first wedding, the Barry Iris wedding, is going to happen around the sixth or seventh episode, probably. But do we have any indication of when the second wedding will take place? No, no, we don't have any indication of that specifically. I like. If we're going with, like, just standing relationships on these shows, I would actually be more comfortable with Nate and Amaya just because time is playing against them. So them being married would just be like, all right, they're fighting time. 
Well, and that could work, and I wouldn't be opposed to that, um, but I think it would be more satisfying for most Arrow fans if it was Oliver and Felicity. Um, Before we move on, though, I have to bring this up because you two are giving me a hard time about it on Twitter. The Space Goat is back. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yes. So Arthur Darvel is back as Rip Hunter, who is the head of the Time Bureau on DC's Legends of Tomorrow. Very, very excited. I am also very, very excited and happy to report that not only is the main villain this season for Legends going to be Kwasa, um, but they're bringing in, or the Legends are bringing in some help to fight Kwasa in Mari. So we're going to have Vixen and Vixen versus Kwasa. It's just going to be incredible. Uh, the original portrayer uh, from the DC's Vixen on uh, CW Seed, uh, Megalyn Ichikunwake, I, I apologize if I mispronounced that, um, but she is coming back. Uh, you guys obviously remember her from uh, the Arrow episode. It was very awesome. But also... Um, in terms of continuity, she's fought alongside Ray. She's fought alongside um, uh, Jax and Stein and uh, Barry and Oliver and Cisco. Like everyone, like a, a lot of them, not everyone, sorry, um, have fought alongside her. So, which is why Ray was kind of freaking out last season, be, being like, we need to put her back at some point, guys. Uh, so yeah, no, I'm really excited about. And thus, your talk about a wedding. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, see, here's the thing. I I'm not 100 sold that Nate's gonna stay in 2017. Well, no, but that's what I'm saying. I mean, what if it's like the way they do this? Why couldn't they get married and then go back in time? Yeah, exactly. They could just stay in 1950, which I like. Nate would be like the smartest person ever given that like he's a historian and all this. And he would be one of the few people who would be responsible enough to not take advantage of it and try and like manipulate things that would then change the future. Exactly. So it would, it would completely work out. Um, There might be something to your speculation. We will see what happens as the season plays out. Melody. Yeah. Greg Berlanti, I am a big fan of his. Mm -hmm. I loved Brothers and Sisters. I love what he's done with the comic book shows on the CW. I love Riverdale. He's got a new series coming out. Hold Fast is an epic love story told in two timelines about an injured Union soldier in the Reconstruction era South who awakens reincarnated in present-day Charleston. With rapidly diminishing knowledge of his past life, our hero must navigate present-day relationships, including a fiancé he doesn't remember, while uncovering what happened to his past love and searching for her, according to Deadline. What are your thoughts? Mm, That was what I thought when I read it. I was just like, "Mm, I don't think so. I am not trying to watch a show about some Union soldier who ends up in present day times trying to figure out how everything works and relationships and all. Mm-mm, no, I think I got enough of what, that. 
I'm good. I was going to say, was it a little bit Sleepy Hollow-ish sounding? Uh, but see, Sleepy Hollow's good in the beginning. So Well, but they it was good until they brought back the wife. Mm, true, true. But then, you know, super, Supernatural lore. I got to handle it myself. Um, Sleepy Hollow had things that attracted me to it as well because I've always liked that story of Sleepy Hollow and the um the headless horseman. I knew it was gonna have supernatural elements to it and they had a lead actress that I really liked. So you know it had lots of other things that attracted me to it. Just reading the synopsis of this new show, I'm like, um no. And since it was Berlanti, it's more than likely gonna come on the CW, which means they're not gonna have the budget to do it how they want to do it. So I am not mm mm. No, I'm not interested. Okay, okay. Well, um, Mo, I want to talk to you about the Orville because I was very concerned about it going in. The promos for it made it look like a comedy, which I was there for, but the reviews for it basically that were like, this is not what the trailers are advertising. So I was extremely concerned. However... Since it's aired, I've found that I've I watched the pilot, I watched the second episode, I'm halfway through the third episode. I'm actually liking the cast. The storylines sort of have that family guy humor, but like what can happen on Family Guy sometimes there are elements that can be a little bit overdone. But so far, it's on my watch list, and I wasn't expecting it to make it past three episodes, and I'm going to keep watching it. What are you thinking of it? I'm enjoying the Orville for what it is. I assumed, based on the trailers, that it it was a comedy, that it was going to have a lot of Family Guy-style elements. What kind of threw me, I wasn't expecting it to... It, it, there are times on that show where literal uh, scenes resemble something that you would have uh, from seen on an episode of Star Trek uh, Next Generation or Voyager back in the 90s. And I, it makes me giggle at that time. I get because I have this, I kind of like throw, have this throwback callback to when I was a child 20 years ago watching these shows and how immersed I am with the characters. Because like you said, I like the characters. The stories, I think, for the individual episodes are kind of hit or miss. I enjoyed the first one. I enjoyed the second one. The third one, I really had some issues with the third one, especially the outcome of the third one. And See, you'll figure that I out. Have, I, like watching the third episode and seeing where it was going, I'm like, this is going to be the episode that determines whether or not I continue watching it. And there's a 50, 50 chance that I may not watch this show after this episode, depending on how this plays out. So because... this is not like galaxy quest at all. <laughs> it Kind of sort of, but literally if you watch, I mean, literally in the pilot, there's a character, a character dies mm-hmm. in a scene. It reminds you of when someone dies on Star Trek Next Generation, when they disintegrate it mm-hmm. beat mm-hmm. by beat. And, and, and it, in terms of like the special effects, the special effects has a, a very, very much of a 90s throwback. Mm-hmm. And, and that's part of the joke, the end joke. The problem is, one, it, at times it feels like this should have been just literally a 22-minute um, comedy, but it's been stretched out. And it's a 42-minute sort 
of some sort of weird comedy drama hybrid. Like and a dramedy kind of. Yes, like a dramedy. The third episode. The problem with the third, I think, is just it just tries to play. It goes somewhere in terms of, of, of the social issue where Family Guy is not known for handling those types of issues gracefully. No, Family Guy is Family Guy is terrible at handling social issues. And uh, considering this is the third episode, by the time this gets out, we'll almost be on the fourth. I'm gonna just dis- we'll, we can just bring it up. But basically, in the series, there's a race of alien in which all of the characters are male, or that's what you're led to believe in the first couple episodes. These male epi- these men or these male characters apparently reproduce by laying eggs. And part of the it, um, plot line of this episode two is that one of them has to basically keep their egg warm for 21 days before it hatches. The second episode ends with the revelation that the child that hatched is a girl when we've been led to believe for the two episodes that it's that it's an all-male race so the beginning of episode three starts with these two fathers talking about their daughter and sort of looking at her negatively and by the midpoint which is where i left off and where i wasn't sure what exactly was going if i was going to keep watching this series the two the the crew member because the i don't know if I, I i don't know if it's been determined whether or not his his mate is um actually a crew member or if he's just there because he's the husband i'm not exactly sure on that um but they are basically discussing having their child have a what would be the equivalent of a reassignment surgery to make her a boy and they because they're too far away from their galaxy to do it they're now asking the the med doctor for the ship to do it. Now, I don't know how that turns out because I haven't watched it, but I'm like, okay, knowing how family guy is, I can't imagine that this is going to be executed with deafness. Mo, was it? I think they tried. I'll just, I'll just put it like this. I think they tried. I'm, when you get when you get you'll you'll know what I'm saying. I mean, when you, once you get to that portion of the episode, they try in terms of the execution. I think the, the plane came in. It it wasn't it didn't crash and burn, but it was a bumpy landing. It landed without a couple wheels. Yes. Okay. I want to be able to give it a chance because I did enjoy those first two episodes, but the third episode could be make or break depending on how it goes. Mo, I wanted to ask you real quick. Gotham premiered. I wasn't able to watch the last half of last season, and now I feel like I'm so far behind that I'm not sure it's worth it for me to try and check out the season premiere because I might have missed too much. Is it something where I can pick up because a new storyline is going, or am I going to have missed too much? No, I think you can pick it up. I mean, there's only a few major revelations in that first episode, and most of the information that you need, they tell you in the first like minute or two previously on gotham dot 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 it mm-hmm. ex- explains if i i'm sure you have you seen the promotional material for this season i've of seen Go- i've seen some of it but you're welcome to go ahead and discuss it because this podcast discussed spoilers so okay feel free. so so probably the biggest change is bruce wayne is now some sort of proto batman if you've ever seen the an- the animated movie uh, batman year one or Re- the comic of Batman Year One, it's pretty much a younger 
Bruce Wayne running around in black and a black mask and black outfit fighting crime. He's not Batman. He's on he's making he's making the journey towards becoming Batman. This is more or less what you're getting in the season premiere of Gotham. He Bruce Wayne it's little Wayne is is you really can't really call him little Wayne anymore because he's actually out there kicking butt and so forth. Well, and people might confuse that with a rapper. It's <laughs> true, very true, very true. A villain, uh, the Scarecrow, returns. A new iteration of the Scarecrow. Uh, they previously introduced this character. I believe it was season one. The Scarecrow showed up. The uh, uh, Jonathan Crane's father showed up. They brought Jonathan Crane back. He is now more or less taken. He eventually, over the course of this episode, takes over the mantle of the Scarecrow. The the Penguin is still more or less the big Don of Gotham and running things, how he's running things is really interesting and unique. I think it's worth a look. I, I would, I suggest if you missed the last season of Gotham, if, if I would, don't worry about trying to catch up at this point, watch the, the first episode, see if you like it. If you think you can um, keep up with what's going on, I say stick with it. Okay. Two things that I want to get to before we have to wrap, and we don't have much time left before we have to record Daytime Confidential, so I'm going to try and squeeze these in as much as possible. First, on the last episode, as a follow-up to the last episode, we asked you to weigh in on whether or not we should watch The Inhumans. And it all came down to Mel. Because Dan said he would if Mel would, and I was pretty sure Mo was already willing to based on the text conversation that he and I had had prior to that podcast. I'm so sorry, well, Mel. <laughs> I am happy to report that Mel has agreed, which means that by default, Dan is agreed to watch and to hate watch the season premiere of The Inhumans. Now, that being said, there's a little bit of relief possibly for people who were worried about the show because 411 Mania posted an article about it and in the advertising for the Inhumans, they call it the complete series and they also quote Guardians of the Galaxy director James Gunn who, who was when asked about it, he replied, it doesn't look like there's much savings left for the Inhumans. So even if we get to hate watch the Inhumans for the purposes of a wonderful discussion on a podcast, we may not be stuck with having to see it on our TVs for very much longer. Mel, I was only going to see it on to this. Uh-uh, I was only going to see it on my TV for that one episode that y'all was going to make me watch. Cause there's no way I had time to watch that old trash show. You got me watching one trash episode. <sighs> this is your fault, Dan. I am blaming all of this on you. I'm sorry. Well, <laughs> well technically, it's a double episode. It's episode what? 22. <laughs> yeah. Wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. That's a, is it? Yeah. So Mo, I did, I did, I did not, I did not, I did not realize that Mo, but you just like completely torpedoed my project here, Mo. <laughs> you should have kept your mouth shut. Um, <laughs> Two hours long. Come on now. Well, no, well, it was because you guys didn't realize it was in IMAX theaters for a weekend or two. I thought there was only the one hour in IMAX theaters. The only people watching it in IMAX was the chairs. So, Okay, Mo, um, as we wrap this up, I want to touch real quick on Kingsman the Golden Circle, which every time I think of it in my head, I'm thinking Kingsman the Golden Compass. I don't know why, but I do. Taron Edgerton and Colin Firth return as Eggsy and Harry. 
Julianne Moore of As the World Turns uh, fame, for those of us who are soap fans, seemed to have a blast as Poppy and the villain in the role. The action was crazy. There was a moment in this that with a guest star who, if you plan on watching the film and don't want to hear this next little bit, um, you will want to go forward. But Elton John's cameo in this film was amazing. And then when I went and was went back and was looking at who the director's like previous credits, because I admit that I don't always pay attention to directors, and I saw that he did Stardust, I was like, oh, this totally makes sense. Mo, what did you think of Kingsman the Golden Circle? I was really entertained. It, in terms of story, it wasn't as good as the, the first Kingsman movie. I think the actors brought their A-game. They knew their characters. They just kind of went with things. I was a little upset where, and when, I think they got, got rid of all the Kingsmen a little bit too quickly, other than um, Merlin and the two guys. Well, Eggsy. Eggsy. Merlin and Eggsy. But I... I thought that um, the statesmen were really funny. I think that maybe there were a few too many state statesmen. I don't think we needed Channing Tatum. I, um, he just more uh, or less. Wait, wait, wait. Let us let us pause for a second. I am never, under any circumstances, going to ever turn down him being in a film, especially if it ends like this one did, with him in a sharp looking sharp looking suit and a bowler's hat. Oh yeah, Luke, that's your jam right uh, there. Oh, it is. I am Eggs. That's my jam, is. too. So keep going. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I get what you're saying, though, because uh, uh, his name slips my mind from Narcos and Game of Thrones. He's in it, and he plays Whiskey. Yeah. And the character of Whiskey, I get why he's in there, but the moment that Channing Tatum's character went goes on ice, I was like, oh, so that Whiskey's going to be one of the bad guys. And that was a little bit disappointing to me because Channing Tatum's character was promoted so much in the trailers. Mm -hmm. I expected him to have a more prominent role than he does, but they've totally set it up for the third one. I mean, if they don't have him as one of the main characters in the third one, I would be vastly shocked, assuming there is a third one. Yeah, and and that was my only issue with Channing Tatum. I, I just wanted more of him because I'd seen so much of him in the promos and I just really felt like if they weren't going to utilize him that much, they shouldn't have used him in the film. They could have even have had him join the Statesman and show up at the end of the movie. He could have just did a cameo, but I think it just kind of took away from the extra time that we could have had with Eggsy and Colin first Galahad, uh, and I, I just characters. think characters, I just think that we could have had a little bit, we could have used a little bit more time with them because I felt like it was so rushed when they were, once they were able to get his memories back. Okay. We take him on a mission. He screws up, but we know by the second mission, he's going to be fine and back in fighting form. Um, I, 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 but overall I did enjoy it. Elton John. Elton John stole the show. I, <laughs> As you never seen him before, this movie is worth it just to see Elton John. And that is not something I ever thought I would be able to say about a movie, but that is what it is. Out of five stars, Mo, what would you give it? Uh, I'd, I'd give it a, I'd give it a four. 
Okay, I'm going to give it a three and a half. We would encourage you to comment on this episode at geekconfidential.com. Follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash gkconfidential. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash gkconfidential. You can find Melody at Melody Akles. Dan is the real Dan Pierce. Mo is Dr. Mo 77. Correct. And I'm Luke underscore Kerr. We thank you for listening. Until next time, so long. Bye, everybody. See ya. Bye, y'all.